Good morning and welcome to the service. We have all come having had different experiences this week. Some of us have keenly felt heartache and loss. Others have felt joy and blessing. And in each circumstance, Jesus meets us. Through it all, I trust that you have the blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. If you are able, I invite you to stand and sing with us. and you can join together to read the all. God, in this season of Lent, we quiet our souls that we may see more clearly the one our hearts long for. We ask, seek, and knock that our prayers may be answered and our longing fulfilled. We acknowledge that so much of faith life involves waiting. For the voice of God to speak. For the spirit of God to move. For the fullness of your kingdom to come. For Christ's return. For the world to be made new. For justice and peace to become ordinary. For love to become the world's motivation. We acknowledge that even as we wait, you are working. Redeeming the earth redeeming people, confirming your love. As Christ waited three days in a tomb, so do we wait for resurrection life. We wait in faith that you are even now giving us new life. 
we wait in hope for the Lord. All creation waits for the Lord. Amen. together now back to back seek ye first and god is so good and when we do seek ye first we're going to sing each verse twice the first time we'll all sing it together the second time you can choose if you want to sing the verse again with me or if you want to sing the dust cant with audrey
Verses 17 to 27. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. 
Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. All right. Oh, it is good to see you all again. I uh, am back after a month of paternity leave, and I come with bearing a, a little girl. If you haven't had the chance to see her yet, she's sitting in the back in a car seat. I suspect in about 20 to 25 minutes, you will probably hear her because that's her time of the morning to wake up very angrily. But a blessing. Oh, hell a blessing. But let's bow together to dismiss children to Children's Church. Our God, we thank you so very much for each and every one of the children of our congregation. We thank you for the blessings that they are. We thank you for the lives that they will live and the blessings that those will be to everybody they come into contact with. God, we pray that now as they go to Children's Church that you be with them, that you give the teachers the words that will stick with these little ones all their lives. Again, we thank you. Amen. The little ones are dismissed to Children's Church in the room down the hall. Follow Beth. She is the one shaking her hands in the back. If you have your bulletins with you, now is the time to bring it out. Before it actually happens, I'll also ask forgiveness if all of a sudden I start coughing. Uh, as many of you know, we got COVID right before the baby was born, and that cough sticks with you an awful long time. And while I would not recommend that to anybody looking to give birth to get COVID right before, what I will say is that they did give us our own room while we were in the hospital, so that, that was nice. But... All in all, wouldn't suggest it. But if you have your bulletins, first off, you'll see Ladies Bible Study is tomorrow at 1.20 p.m. Prayer meeting is at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. 7.30 p.m. Youth is at Dawson and Bethany's this week. Make sure to bring your Bible. And then next Sunday, 10.15, uh, coffee time. Next Sunday is also Palm Sunday. Uh, and so after the worship service, we are going to be having a soup and bread lunch, just as we used to after so many years of not being able to, finally we can all share a meal together again. That is going to be a wonderful time. Um, there is a sign up on the back table for anybody uh, that wants to bring soup and buns to that. It'll be a soup and bun meal. And so again, a sign up on the back. I look forward to seeing you there. Next, we are putting together the yearbook, and by we, uh, I mean there are people that are working very hard and doing a great job at that, Carrie, I know, oh, and Laura, and so make sure to say thanks for all of the hard work they are doing. Uh, but there is a sign-up on the back, not a sign-up, addresses checklist on the back, so I would encourage you to go there after the service, look at your address, make sure that it is right. Uh, if there are any changes to be made, then make those changes. If your address is not in there, then add it as well. That same goes for email addresses and phone numbers. Uh, then Blue Collar Harmony Boys are coming to Austin 
on April 8th at 7.30. Uh, that is a fundraiser for CEF and AMR. The Good Friday service is going to be April 15th. Uh, that is a Friday at 10.45 a.m. Uh, put that on your calendars. That is always a wonderfully spiritually edifying time. Um, April 24th, Sunday school is going to start up again. Oh, that'll be wonderful as well. I think that is it as far as announcements. And so I will ask Dawson to come up. He has one as well. All right, I just wanna highlight an announcement. Uh, Tyson Murray is gonna be joining YFC in McGregor. And if you don't know, he's been with YFC in Portage for quite a while now and he's making a transition over to McGregor and area of IFC, so we're super excited about that. And he's gonna be starting full-time sometime in September. That's the plan. And he'll be kind of making a transition in the meantime as he's still in Portage and very involved with things there. So if you wanna to talk to him or you have any questions, just, you know, you can ask me and you can get connected with him and see what his plans are. But I'm pretty excited about that, thanks. Good to have them around town more. All right. Uh, so, uh, moving on to prayer items. As you know, Bilal and Fatima are going to be arriving on April 20th. That is a wonderful uh, thing indeed after six years, I want to say now. It was before my time when that started. And so they will finally be here with even more children than we thought in the first place. And so that is definitely something to pray for. Uh, pray for them and their family as they come over. Pray also for Dan and Sandra uh, and all the work they will be doing, uh, getting them integrated once they arrive. Uh, continue to pray for the conflict in Ukraine that has been going on longer than any of us had ever want to see. And so we want to continue to pray for peace there. Um, Pray for Russell and Shannon and family. Well, that is always a wonderful thing to get. Uh, one thing to add on to there, this Tuesday I have another meeting with my cardiologist, and so pray that that goes well. Uh, and then Lillian Sawatsky. Uh, unfortunately, we received word that she passed away in the night. And so we want to keep the Sawatsky family in our prayers uh, as they plan the funeral. It is going to be next Sunday uh, in the afternoon. So next Sunday in the afternoon will be Lillian's funeral. Expect more details over the days to come. And so with all of those things, let's go now into a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning with many things on our hearts. But first off, we come before you with praise. Lord, we come before you with praise First for Bilal and Fatima. It has been such a long time that our trying to sponsor them has been going on years and years. And for how long has it been for us, I have no doubt for them and the uncertainty and everything that they have experienced and witnessed and seen, it has been so much longer. And so God, we pray for them. God, we pray that now that the finish line is in sight, that they are almost here, we pray these last few days melt away. God, we pray that the trip goes well. God, we pray that when they get there, they will settle in well. And God, we pray that when they get here with Dan and Sandra and also their family, they will 
find their new life exactly as they had hoped it would be. God, we pray that you continue to work around them so that they can see how you have guided this every step of the way. God, this we put before you, but we thank you so much that soon they will be here. And God, we also want to say thank you for the new additions in our church. It is wonderful to hear babies making their wonderful sounds. And so God, we pray, bless each of them. Bless the life that they will live. And while this might seem a little selfish, bless their parents as well as they go through this time. Please grant them rest when rest is to be found. And God, we want to bring before you the Sawatsky family today. While on the one side it is sad to hear of Lillian's passing, on the other we are excited that she gets to be with you. And so God, our prayers turn instead to her family. Lord, we pray be their rock during this time. Be the comfort that they need as they put the details into place as they travel from the corners of North America to be here. Lord, pray that the funeral will go well. But please be with the Sawatsky family now. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning. And we come before you in praise. Amen. All right. So, first off, before I get into the sermon for today, how did everybody uh, enjoy the last month? Missions month. I had a, the wonderful experience to talk to all of the people that came, at least a little bit, and I have no doubt what they had to share for you were ways that God is working across the world that maybe you had never even seen before. And so I'm happy that that impacted. But if you have your Bibles on you, I'd ask that you open them to Matthew this time. Matthew 20, 17 to 27. And there we read, Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. I always love when they say going up to Jerusalem. The reason being that Jerusalem's actually quite high in Israel, so they're literally going up. And on the way, he took the twelve aside, and he said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. This is not the first time in the book of Matthew that Jesus predicts his own death. But every time that he does that, every time he predicts his death, uh, a few more details come out of what is going to happen that color the passage that is about to come, the passage that follows the prediction. There are three things that are new to this prediction. And the first you can see there in verse 18, where Jesus says, we are going up to Jerusalem. We. Jesus says this to the 12 disciples, to his core group. In the other instances where Jesus predicts his death, he always says, I, 
I am going, but now it is we. Here Jesus tells his disciples, tells us, that he's not going to the city of David alone. What is to come, he will not be there alone. Next, another new detail in this prediction. Later on, in verse 18 also, we see that Jesus is going to be handed over. To be handed over, that implies that you are being given by someone close enough to you in order to do that, in order to hand you over. In other words, Jesus is going to be betrayed. Jesus is telling us and his disciples here that when he finally gets to Jerusalem, someone close to him will be the one to give him to those who wish our Lord dead. Imagine being one of the disciples, one of those 12 closest to Christ and being told that. And a final new detail. In the other predictions, it was known that Jesus was going to be handed over to the Jewish authorities. But here, our Lord also tells us that the Gentiles are going to play a role in what is to come as well. Jew and Gentile will together be responsible for the death of the Son of God. And that is everyone, all people. To my knowledge, everything else that is in this prediction has been told to us by our Lord before in the book of Matthew, but these three things. Now that we know these three things, the first, that it is we, it is multiple people that are going to be going to Jerusalem, the second, that Jesus will be betrayed, and the third, that it is all people that will be the ones that march him to his death. Now that we know these three things, let's continue on in our passage today. And as the passage goes on, boy, does the tone ever shift real dramatically, because then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of them. What is it that you want, he asked. And she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit on your right and the other on your left in the kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will need, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left, that is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Every time I read this part of the passage, I don't know about you, but I smile a little bit, and I like to imagine it in a modern way. Imagine that you're young, at work, not long on the job, then one day in comes your mom, she calls you to follow her, and so you do, and then go straight to the boss, <laughs> and where she asks him point blank, uh, this is my son, I want you to make him the vice president in your company in the near future. That's, that's essentially what's being asked here, because that's who sits at the left and the right of the person at the head of the table, isn't it? It's the executives that sit there, it's the VIPs that sit there. This is no small thing that the mother of James and John is asking of our Lord here. What a 
wonderfully brazen thing to ask on your children's behalf. But also, think of the faith that that woman had to think of requesting that. Like a little bit of inspiration in there too. But to the three of them, Jesus responds, you don't know what you're asking. And in his words, I imagine he's almost half laughing at the awkwardness of this scene that is playing out before him. We know from Scripture that Jesus knows this family well. In one of the tellings, I think it's even Matthew, I think the mother of James and John is one of the people at the tomb. I'll have to look that one up, but she's close. But then the tone shifts again. And as he says his next words, he does so well in our mind, we Remember his predictions from only moments before. Can you drink of the cup that I am going to be drinking of? Jesus asks the brothers that. And here we recall our first new detail from the prediction that Jesus had earlier, that it is not I, but we who are going up to Jerusalem. Can you drink of the cup that I am going to drink of, James and John? Can we go to Jerusalem? Will you come with me? Will you follow your Lord there? Will you join him in the fate that he has seen? We can, the brothers reply. Can you drink of the cup that I am going to drink of? Jesus asked the brothers in our passage today. And into our minds come the other two new details from Jesus' prediction of his death as well. Can you drink of my cup knowing that from it you may have those close to you betray you because of me? Something that happens throughout the history of the early church time and time again. Families split apart. People die because they turn on their friends and family because of Christ. You drink of my cup knowing that you will have the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike, turn on you, mock you, persecute you, and ultimately cause your death because of me. Can you drink of the cup that I am going to drink of, sons of Zebedee? We can, is how the brothers reply. And to this response, James and John get the highest praise that they have likely received in their entire life. For our Lord tells them that he believes they will. But then Christ continues speaking, sharing with them both a truth that I think ought to stick with us today. It is God who determines the seating in the kingdom yet to come. We'll get to that in just a bit. Our passage ends. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first 
must be your slave. That the rest of the disciples would be indignant with James and John's moms ask here, that makes sense. At this point, we don't really get any feeling of a hierarchy among the disciples of Jesus. And what's more is that even besides what Christ says here, taught throughout Scripture, all are equal under God. But then, as the disciples bicker more, we read that Jesus quiets them. Don't think in that way. That is how the Gentile rulers think. And here, think about the rulers that Jesus would be thinking about in his time. The emperors who claimed to be God, who lived and lorded it over all of Israel. Those in charge with the power of death over those that are below them. Those who demanded that they be worshipped because they were that far above their subjects. Think of those people and others like them who care for nothing but hierarchy and where they are in that pecking order. And that those under them know where they are in turn. Don't be like those people, Jesus tells his disciples. Why not? This we know because of what we have heard our Lord teach us time and time again over the months gone by about the kingdom that he has come to build. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. And that kingdom, he has told us time and again, this is not how the residents are to behave. That is not how the people who want a seat at the table are to conduct themselves, only caring for themselves, only caring for their own aggrandizement, their own well-being, that they are not tread upon, that they are number one. Do you want to be seated next to Christ in the kingdom to come? Do you want to have that place of honor in the world that our Lord is preparing for us? That is not how you get it. But instead, live in a way that turns that way of thinking on its head. We know from the beginning of Matthew 5, among countless other passages throughout Scripture, that when the kingdom comes, it will see tears wiped away from those who mourn. You want a seat at the table? Then be the one who is the comforter. We know that when the kingdom of our Lord comes, it will see food brought to the hungry. Do you want a seat of honor at that table? And be the one handing out the loaves and the fish. We know that when the kingdom of our Lord comes, it will see the needs of the poor met. It will see peace brought to those who are suffering because of war. It will see justice brought to those who are stepped on and those who are doing the stepping alike. But 
boy, will the justice look very different for both. We want a seat at the table of honor. Now is the time to be the one who strives to meet those needs, who strives to bring that peace and demands that that justice come. Time and again, throughout the Gospel of Matthew and throughout Scripture as a whole, we are told that when God's kingdom arrives, this is what we will see. And residing over this paradise from atop his throne, our God will reign. Wrong set right, the fall undone. Do you want a place close to our Lord at the table to come? One of the good seats reserved by God himself. Then you live in this way. Instead of caring about yourself and your rights and your needs, lower yourself to care first instead for those the coming kingdom will see lifted up. Now is the time to place these people who need so much more than we do before ourselves. Now is the time to make their needs our needs, to make building the kingdom that will see them risen up our life's work, to make the good news of what is to come a part of the joy that we share to the world. Do you want a place of honor at the table? Then now is the time to become a servant for people such as these. Do this, and you too will be following Christ to Jerusalem. You too will be drinking of the same cup as our Lord. Do this, and you will have that place at the table. There's a lot to take from our passage today. But as I look at the world around us, perhaps there is no point more important for us to take to heart than this. As followers of Christ, as those called to drink of his cup, as those who claim we are willing to follow our Lord to Jerusalem itself, to the cross itself, though the world will be against us, though those close to us may turn on us, We should never forget that also in this passage, Jesus calls us not to live apart from that world either. But instead, we are to do what? We are to live for those that need our Lord's love the most. Live for those for whom the kingdom that our Lord is making will see risen up. You can't do that if you cloister yourself away. You can't lower yourself to the point that you are a servant to those who needs Christ's love the most if you think of those different than you as your enemy and only that. And you can't make yourself the slave is what it actually says here. The slave 
for those who need the love of Christ the most. If you, first and foremost, only care about yourself, care about making sure that you are good before anyone else, that is by definition the very opposite of what a slave is. Lately, I get a bit of a feeling, maybe you guys do too, about our part of the church as a whole. Not just us, but like all evangelicals Canada-wide. That we've gotten really good at catching the first part of what Jesus calls us to in the passage today. They're asking us to follow him to the cross itself, though the world may be against us. We've gotten that part down. More, I think, is that we even might take a bit of pleasure out of telling everyone around us that we got that part down. Yelling very loudly that it's us against this ungodly society, us against the sinners out there who just want to tear the church to pieces. Sure, that doesn't fan any flames. But what we evangelicals have a much harder time with just about now, I think, is how if on one hand we are told the world will stand against us and it will be just us and God, nevertheless, on the other hand, we're also told to go out and live for the betterment of this same world all the same. We come to think of somebody as against us than the thought that we are then try to do anything for their benefit. It just doesn't sit with us well. But this is what Christ calls us to do. To live for those who would disagree with us. To lower ourselves for them because it's them who need the healer. Far easier is it to turtle. To be believers who stay inside our walls, to draw lines in the sand with us inside and everyone else who's scary to us out there, to feel that we're completely justified in lashing out because of it, to in time, maybe without even noticing that we're doing that, come to place ourselves first above everyone else because of that. Do you want a drink of the same cup as our Lord? Do you want a seat of honor at the table in the kingdom soon to come? We need to get better at being servants to those who need us also. We need to get better at being slaves for those around us who need the love of our Lord the most. We need to learn not to automatically think of only ourselves, but instead to learn to focus in on those who have never been allowed to think for themselves to begin with. We need to learn how to lower ourselves for those who God will see lifted up in the kingdom to come. Even if they are now against us. The Apostle Paul was also 
against those who followed the Lord. Look what happened with him. And so with this in mind, let us come to our assignment for today. We are now into the opening days of spring, and soon not only are we going to see green and planting and new fields, we're also going to be inundated with a wall of asks from organizations and not-for-profits and charities all looking for volunteers over the months to come. Off the top of my head, I know YFC is looking. I know the daycare board will be. I know the fair board is. I know MCC always is. Let me sit and think about it for a while, I dare say. I can probably come up with another dozen or so before we even get all the way to Austin. You want to show those around you that you are willing, as Christ calls us, to lower yourself to help show the love of our Lord to the world around you. And there are a few better places to start than volunteering out there. I don't know about you, but there are not many places I have volunteered where eventually that question comes up of, why are you here? And a lot of good conversations come from that question over my time. I suspect you have as well. There is something about going out there with others from outside of our faith circle and getting our hands dirty with them that really shows that you care like very little else can. And so this I recommend as a way of beginning to live out Christ's teaching in our passage today to the community outside our doors. And I'll also recognize that among us here today, this is something many of us are quite good at, and I commend you for it. But what if you simply don't have the time in your schedule to regularly volunteer over the months to come? Fair enough, life sneaks up on all of us, or you're a farmer. I know what life is going to be soon enough. But for you, then I have something more difficult instead. Think of the person in your life that you know is really having the weight of the world bear down upon them just about now. I want you to make it your new task over the weeks to come to make their life better for them. That means coffee. It means taking them out for meals. That means hearing them talk and likely complain about the same thing for the thousandth time. You want to place others before yourself as our Lord calls us to, you start that with one person. And you go from there. In our passage today, we are called by our Lord to drink of his cup, to follow him to the cross itself, but also to live for those who would march us there. If we want to join our Lord at the table in the kingdom that is to come, this too is how we need to live. So today, my brothers and sisters, let us make the choice to follow Christ by first humbling ourselves for others. Amen. Thank you, Russell. In closing, we will sing, Will You Let Me Be Your Servant? Mm -hmm.
Before I read the benediction, I'd once again like to uh, remind you that on the back table there is an address book. Make sure that your address is right for the yearbook. There is also sign up for soup and buns for uh, the Palm Sunday uh, meal after the service next week. Also, I forgot one thing. Uh, I believe for Lillian's funeral, we are looking for people to help set up as well. So if you are able to help set up for the funeral, uh, then contact uh, Ron or Charlene. All right. So for our benediction today, we can turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our God. Mm -hmm.